You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hey everyone, Matt from Occupier here. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to another episode of the Fully Occupied Podcast. If you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe on your favorite listening platform or just shoot us a note at marketing at occupier.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on future guests, topics you'd like to hear about, ask us any questions you have, or just say hi. Enjoy the show. Hey, Courtney, welcome to the Fully Occupied Show. Thanks, Matt. Excited to chat today. Yeah, it's been a full 24 hours since we spoke, so uh, hopefully we still have some stuff to talk about here today, but it's great to finally have you uh, on here for a conversation. Absolutely. So why don't you give a quick intro uh, about yourself, about Elate, and talk a little bit about what your kind of your world is like in, in the prop tech space here. Sure. So I'm based in Toronto. Um, I'm a principal at Elate Partners. So Elate is an early stage fund that focuses on real estate and construction tech. We founded Elate about three years ago now. So I actually think I joined three years ago in August. So back in 2018. And it really started through a partnership between Dream, which is a large real estate company uh, based in Toronto, but has a platform across uh, North America and Europe as well as uh, Relay Ventures. So Relay is a fund that's been around uh, for 15 plus years. They were more of a generalist and they wanted to get into, uh, real, into real estate technology. And so this was sort of the avenue that they chose partnering with us to found this vertical. And so this going forward will be one of their permanent verticals. So Relay will now focus on uh, prop tech or real estate technology, mobility and FinTech. So it's really interesting uh, working with them and being part of that organization is that mobility, fintech, and sort of some of the other general tech that they invest in uh, impacts real estate. So we see a lot what's happening across those different verticals and some of the trends in technology, but also in companies. And so it just gives us access to a broader uh, portfolio um, and network that we can do that where we can help our founders. So for us, uh, it's really about providing capital, but also expertise in the market and being able to make connections uh, help our portfolio companies scale faster. And, you know, you know how valuable it is to get in front of the right people at the right time, especially at the early stage. So we do everything we can to be supportive of companies. Yeah. And speaking of getting in front of the right people at the right time, uh, you joined it late, right around the time Occupier was formed. Um, and I know that we had early conversations and eventually you guys invested in our company, full disclosure, Courtney's on the Occupier board of directors. So Thanks for your service there. Um, I think it would be awesome to hear about what you guys were thinking when you evaluated investing in Occupier. What was your thesis there? Like, why did you invest? What did you think about? And, and, and just generally kind of like how you see that playing into like where your at least real estate thesis is going from an investment perspective. Yeah, for sure. Very proud uh, to be an investor. And it's been a really fun process to get to know the team. And for us, the team is, is one of the most important things that we look at when we're, invest, when we're looking to invest in a company. That is what you're investing in. So as much as it's an idea, there's lots of people with great ideas. It's about the execution and why, why they're sort of founder market fit, why this team is going to be able to develop this solution at this time. And so for us, you know, th th that is key. And with you and Andrew and Eric uh, coming from BTS, 
coming from the brokerage community, you understood the problem, you had built it before and been part of building a growing company and solving this problem on the landlord side, you'd also sit in the shoes of uh, tenant rep brokers and understood sort of the problems that uh, your clients had faced. And so there really isn't um, a, sol a great solution. There, there's some, but there's not very, there's very few uh, solutions that are focused on the occupier and how do real estate uh, users find and manage their real estate. And, you know, in these companies, they might have a director of real estate if it's a company, if, if it's a large company or a retailer that has many locations. But in many cases, uh, even if they have that person, uh, they're strapped for time and resources and there's a lot on their plate. And otherwise it's often, you know, split between a CFO and uh, and an office manager. So, you know, we've literally believed that many company real estate is not their core competency or co core competency, or even if it is, uh, or even if that's a core part of their business, the team doesn't have the tool set that's adequate to help them do their job. So we felt that Occupier uh, solved a gap in the market, both on the transaction side, as well as lease admin and, and lease accounting. And for us, you know, we think that this is an area that is going to become even more important. We can talk a bit more about uh, the pandemic and, and why that this has um, making us even more uh, bullish on the space, but people are opening offices more places in the world. Uh, there's more flexibility around where people are going to be working and how many people have in offices. And so we believe there's and more need for technology than ever before. Um, as well as, you know, we think that Occupy, what Occupier has built today is amazing for what it does, but, you know, being at the transaction where you bring together uh, a number of different parties from, you know, the internal stakeholders, uh, from finance and C up to CEO and whoever's part of the real estate decision, as well as brokers and lawyers and accountants and, and all these different parties. Um, we think that's just a, a core place where you can innovate and bring together uh, a lot of decisions are made. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth there in sort of many directions. So for us, you know, excited about they were solving a problem that exists today, but just thought that being at the beginning of that transaction, there was going to be a lot of opportunity in the future. Yeah, um, we because this is recorded, we'll just use that for our Series A pitch, and hopefully it just <laughs> seals the deal right from the beginning. But um, thanks. Like maybe we could hit on. I think the first part of that was you were talking about the changing role of of the real estate team, and you know, especially coming out of the pandemic, how that is becoming a much more important, confusing, busy type of role. Um, you know, when you talk to other companies, um, whether they're end users of our product or, or, or products in portfolio companies that you have, like, what is your take on that? You mentioned um, people might be opening more offices because of the remote work kind of nature that's emerging out of this pandemic. Like, what are some of the kind of themes that you see coming out of like the return to work? Yeah, so there's a couple. I mean, I think that hybrid was the word that people sort of hung on to and got comfortable with. And so everyone said that they were taking a hybrid approach and, you know, hybrid doesn't have one meaning kind of the same way prop tech it doesn't have a meaning, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, people use it to mean a lot of things. So I think that generally what people are thinking is that there's going to be more flexibility in where people work and when. So there's some companies who take hybrid to mean that people will be working from home more often. So it might be more flexible where you have, you know, one to two to three days in the office and then a couple of days that you spend at home. Um, and then the office becomes more of a collaboration uh, space, but still in that use case, the majority, 
all or the majority of people still live within driving distance of the office and the office is still a core place, but it just means that maybe you start to make different decisions about whether people have, full, do you have a dedicated desk or do you do more agile sort of hot desking style? Um, do you change the layout of the, of the meeting rooms? I think on the sort of far other side, um, will companies go fully remote and, and not have offices? Um, there are some companies that have done that before, some very successful companies, um, but I think that's rare. I think there's going to be fewer companies that say we're not going to have any offices and people can live anywhere in the world. Um, you know, we just hire globally. Um, I think that a lot of companies might try to do things in between uh, where they are, you know, they might have more offices. So rather than saying, hey, we're in just a New York based company. They might have smaller offices that are more outposts. Um, and I think that, you know, that was something that was starting to happen already where you might have a sales team that's, that's in one place or maybe customer uh, success or other functions are in different places. You know, the, there is a real challenge with how do you create culture across when you don't have people in the same place. So, you know, I think that that requires more technology. And one of the things that has been sort of fantastic for people who weren't, weren't in head office uh, before the pandemic was that for the first time they were on equal footing with everybody who was in head office. Uh, there weren't conversations that happened that they weren't part of, you know, that feeling of when you're, you're on the phone and you, you wanna speak up, but there's just not an opportunity. You know, that was sort of taken away for a while. So I think that one of the biggest questions is how do you manage knowledge management? How do you keep everyone on equal footing if you decide to have a more remote culture? So, you know, I think we can talk about some of the technology that that requires, but to me, I think that companies are going to fall upon this uh, somewhere along the spectrum, um, and and I think that the way that they define the way that they work um, and who works where is going to be really important in terms of the times of technology they, they need. Like, where are you guys now? It, uh, we're kind of like going to be somewhere in the middle of that like hybrid world. Like, we we're going to have an office in New York, an office in Boston, but throughout the pandemic, we hired a bunch of people who were remote. Right. So when I say remote, I mean, just not located in like one of our hub cities. So, I mean, it wasn't really a consideration for us in terms of like, oh, we got to get these people in an office. It was more of like, what's the right talent for our team and, and, and what is the working preference for that person? And if they happen to live in St. Louis or the Bay Area and they were the right person for the job, then it was like, OK, like, how do we accommodate? these people to do their best work at our company. So I think the pandemic was interesting because it, it just opened up this like universe of recruiting that wasn't tied to geographic location anymore. And I think what the net effect of that is going to be for that like head of real estate, at least for like office occupiers is there's just gonna be way more variables for them to consider when doing their job. And, you know, the traditional head of corporate real estate was, really driven by cost, right? Like where do we find the lowest cost office space commodity product that we can that meets the objectives of the company in terms of, um, you know, providing a good workplace for our employees, you know, good commute times and, you know, whether it's being close to suppliers or customers and stuff like that, those are the considerations made for, for quote unquote real estate. Now it's more like, okay, like how do we actually like look at it from the workforce perspective first and say like, what is the situation that our people need to be in in order to kind of do their best work? And that all of a sudden brings everybody else in the organization into that real estate decision, which is why we're so excited about like where we're going is because to your point earlier, 
there are so many decisions to be made and yet there is like not really good tooling for all of these decisions to be made at the, at the moment. So you think about like a hybrid model, however you want to define that. So you need to provision people with IT resources remotely. You need to provision people with desks and chairs and monitors remotely. And I know that you guys have invested in that space as well. And like, then you also have to consider, you know, what are, what are some of the perks that these people need because they're not coming into an office. And so it's, it's kind of like mind numbing to think about like all the variables that come into that like location decision. And then you also still need to make sure you have a physical presence and, and how do you navigate like this absurdly dynamic real estate market to like make good deals. So I think the, the th to your point earlier, the thing about the real estate function within most companies is it's such a huge balance sheet item, but it's always just been kind of this like, oh, like we'll get it done somehow type of mentality. And companies can't really afford to do that anymore because if they, if they don't like do it right, then a person who is sitting in St. Louis could just go find a job anywhere um, at the company that's going to accommodate them. So the main kind of focus is shifted away from like the physical workspace to like the employee centric mentality. Yeah. I mean, I was just on a conversation with um, a, a bunch of women in real estate and one of the questions that, that they had, this is, these were senior women um, within the, like within real estate companies. And, you know, one of the struggles was how do you engage that they just felt like some of the, the younger people that were joining weren't staying for as long, especially people who joined through the pandemic because they just didn't get connected to the company in the same way that other people have when they're in the office. So I think that, you know, if you can sort out any of these, any, any way you work can work. You know, it's not that people can't work remotely. We have the tools. Most people, you know, can have a laptop and, and be anywhere. But uh, the question is, how do you connect with the team? So I think that, you know, if you're if you don't have a dedicated desk, there's a lot of tools around how do you book who's in the office when, and that can be room booking, desk booking, but even just coordination around how do you make sure that you get to see the people that you do the best work with, um, or who are who you know create those uh, spontaneous moments where uh, you run as you will at the coffee maker. How, how do you recreate those type of things? And so that, there's logistic requirements that that's for employees, but also for the office manager um, to figure out if okay if you're going to reduce the space then how do you make sure you have the right space available um, and we don't have a worse issue about trying to find meeting rooms and places to work and have people wasting time not being able to find places to work. So there's sort of the, the logistical component um, in terms of technology for meeting rooms and meetings. How do you manage that and, and keep improving the technology so that people who are in the office versus uh, not uh, are part of the conversation and, and feel you know, positive about it and then you know, from the, the furniture physical space requirement, um, we, we are, you mentioned we're an investor in branch. Um, they do office furniture. So um, I have a branch desk, uh, branch chairs. They, they pivoted their business um, entirely from B2B. So they were focused on helping offices furnish their space um, prior to the pandemic and sort of an, an easy ergonomic solution for furniture, but also helping office managers manage the process. Um, both for initial ordering, but then as you need to add, uh, inevitably add uh, more desks uh, or other uh, furniture items. And, you know, then they, they pivoted entirely to direct to consumer uh, consumers as people had to furnish their offices at home. And I think, I think they mentioned that their pipeline uh, has now in this quarter doubled or more than doubled from what it was pre-pandemic. I believe uh, it. Um, on the enterprise side, because they're just seeing now yeah. that 
people are are, are getting active and, and looking for um, furniture and, and they sort of sit right in that um, right in sort of a, a great solution for people who are looking for flex space and, and looking for furniture that works. Um, but you know they people are gonna have to figure out how do you have ergonomic spaces to work at home if that's a main place that you work. And so you know branch does that where they you know work with companies and a lot of companies have offered stipends. Uh, first base raised a, a large round last year and, and they focused exactly what you're talking mentioning before about how do you make sure that remote workers have a desk, a computer, uh, um, screens, sort of all, everything they need. And then even starting to think about, you know, some of the other companies focus on how do you figure out sort of the, some of the perks of the office, you know, even coffee and, and other sites of treats that are part of the culture. And, and how do you do that when you're at scale in different locations? I think that for smaller companies, it may be easier to, to try to manage a few places, uh, large companies for sure, they, they have to think about equality and how do they create uh, processes and systems that make sense and NHR can manage uh, and know where people are and know that they follow their local regulations and pay people properly and you know really th think it through. So I think there's um, technology that comes in to help with a lot of these decisions. And you know as people consider smaller offices uh, to allow remote uh, employees to work together, I think that's where something like Occupier becomes even more uh, important because you might not have tenure leases, you might have now a, a, a handful of tenure leases and then a couple of WeWorks and, or even if you have one lease and then you have WeWorks in a whole bunch of different cities, you know, who's managing that and making sure that everything is paid and accounted for properly. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that the branch example of their pipeline doubling with that like pivot to B2C because this is a similar thing in real estate. Like you mentioned, it's not like you just have this one like HQ location with 10 floors. Now you have that HQ location plus a bunch of like hub and spoke type of spaces. So it's almost like doubling the workload for people in the real estate space. And with a direct to consumer furniture thing is interesting is like, if, if I go with that hybrid model of like two days from home, three days in the office, like I still need furniture in the office and I still need furniture at home. So it's almost doubling that spend or at least that consideration for like equipping the workforce. So it's, it's kind of crazy how you would think like the pandemic might actually like crush businesses with respect to like real estate, but it's actually creating these opportunities for new markets to emerge that could, could have been bigger than like people even thought they were. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the market size for furniture, um, especially home, home office furniture has increased. I think a lot of people now are going to need to have setups and they might be different rooms or they might be, you know, just sort of smaller nooks where people work. But if you're going to planning to work from home one to two days um, a week, then, you know, the question is, do you work at home or do you work somewhere near home? And I think that one of the main things around how people work, and, and if you look at people who work remotely, like there's, it varies, but, you know, five to 10% of the population, maybe a little less, but somewhere around there was the people who worked remotely prior to the pandemic. And people who work remotely, it's not like they work at home. They work at coffee shops, they worked at WeWorks, they worked in different places, they worked flexibly. Um, but just because people work remotely, that doesn't equate to in their own home. So it's really about sort of the ecosystem of work and how that fits in. And, and there's a lot of companies that um, I know are starting, getting started or starting to focus on how they tap into that. So, you know, uh, rent by the hour spaces um, that are in your local community or co-working spaces that are in neighborhoods rather than downtowns. 
And so a lot of those companies were trying to focus on how do they sell to corporate customers. And so you can have a package where your employees could uh, work from workspaces nearer to them. And I, I don't, I think that there, time will tell whether or not corporate, uh, corporate occupiers uh, adopt those solutions or not. Um, but there's a lot of people pitching that right now. Yeah, we just started working with a company called Daybase, which is doing exactly that. They're going into local communities and opening basically like, you know, flexible work spaces within spaces that typically weren't even thought of as like office spaces. And it's to accommodate that person who might live on Long Island and doesn't like want to go to the Manhattan headquarters every day, but they also don't want to like work from their bedroom. <laughs> um, so there's going to be this like whole kind of shift in like, what is the definition of a workspace? which I, I think like we either wrote a blog post earlier, like during the pandemic. And I made the point that this isn't like completely new, right? Like salespeople were always traveling, looking for a place to work. Like, you know, businesses were not all, it's not, it's not like this like dynamic where all of a sudden people like came to this epip epiphany that they could like only work from home. But I think like, like you said, like it's, this is just like kind of like a moment where it's like, all right, like, every company now is like, we have to take this seriously rather than just, you know, go with the flow, try to look at our real estate from like a complete cost containment perspective. And now it's more about like, okay, like how do you actually build that flexibility? Another interesting thing is you mentioned with the corporates is like security, right? Like how do they think about logging into the Wi-Fi at like the local Starbucks when you work at big corp XYZ or whatever. And like, I think there are some, limitations to like what companies are going to allow to happen i'm just curious your thoughts on like is there is there like a market out there that you're looking at that is like a, a layer of kind of like cybersecurity or tech with respect to you know like the workplace um is is that something that is is going to have to you know be completely rethought as well yeah, I mean, there's some pretty crazy stories of uh, companies adapting during the pandemic. Um, you know, I, I have a friend who runs a, a call center for one of the banks and they didn't have, their employees didn't have laptops and they also deal with sensitive financial information. And so, you know, if they had a one room apartment and they had a partner, you know, they were instructed, you know, you, ha you have to be in a separate room, you have to have a closed door, like you can't be talking about someone's financial information in front of your spouse or your kid, like your partner or whoever, your roommate. And so, you know, there were people who were taking calls in bathrooms or, you know, anywhere where they could get privacy. And so, you know, I think that there's, um, there, that's sort of one sort of use case, but, I, but beyond that, you know, there's a lot of companies that don't have uh, great security on what you can download and, and, you know, had kind of relied on having IT people on staff. It's not that these things can't be done, but a lot of companies aren't um, mature on it yet. And, you know, one of the biggest issues around cybersecurity is sort of the social engineering side and how good um, people are getting at sort of scamming us people like we're we are the weakness you know there's, there's lots that we we should do on um on the devices and you know especially in buildings around uh, iot devices i think there's a lot there um but one of the sort of major challenges is that uh we the the employees are the are the weakness and so there's a lot of training um and things to be done so so it's a space that we're looking for we're looking at especially with the increase in in devices um, we haven't looked at it as much in sort of the workplace specifically, because we focus a little bit more on the prop tech and the and building. But um, from a from, I'm always fascinated by uh, all the different types of 
scams and way people way people break in and and even sort of the large companies that run these um sort of tests with their employees for everything from like gift cards to transferring money like when they start doing them always at whatever company um it's like 50 percent plus of people fail uh the first test like they're so it's so good and so they it really does take training and the big companies are working on it but it's uh yeah it's pretty hard you like it's it's us that you have to yeah that's that's, that pretty, that's pretty, get scammed yeah it's pretty hardcore that companies will just intentionally scam their employees just to see if they're paying attention <laughs> i mean I, I didn't even know that happened but uh, i wonder i wonder like because a person is always going to try to like find the easy way to get done what they need to get done right and like whether that's you know being forced to log in through a VPN or like finding like a wireless connection from their phone that they could get on their call with or whatever. There's, there's always going to be kind of vulnerabilities in that system, but you're right. It's the person, it's the end, it's the end user of whatever the product is that is always like the weakest link. Yeah. Um, shifting gears a little bit away, away from like the, like the working world with respect to real estate, where, where have you seen kind of some cool stuff happening like in the retail world? Because I know that you guys, have invested in silo fit, which is a company that's like rethinking kind of like the on-demand gym um, experience and in, in how like trainers can actually like rethink their use of space to like train um, clients and stuff like that. Um, does that concept kind of bleed into other areas of retail that, um, you know, might be completely rethinking their kind of footprint model coming out of the pandemic? Yeah, Silovit's an interesting one because they focus specifically on fitness. So they are offering micro gyms essentially for trainers um, or individuals and trainers and their clients to work out of. And you know, pre-pandemic, you're already seeing this, but a trend towards people, uh, towards fitness classes and other types of um, personal training, uh, Peloton, all of these types of alternate options. And so Silo Fit's able to transform small 500 to 1,000 square foot spaces, starting to do, to do larger based on demand, but the, they're spaces that are in your office or in your home. And, and it's a more attractive model for the trainer because of the cost uh, to train out of a gym. Um, but also it's a better experience for individuals and trainers who are thinking, rethinking about how they want to work out and, and how do you, it's not just about competing with a big box gym, you know, it, it's not just um, that, it's also, you know, Peloton and Mirror and all these other alternate and all the, the virtual options um, that people have gotten used to during the pandemic. And so we're starting to see a lot more connected bikes like Peloton uh, or in wellness spaces. There's a couple of different ones that have opened up in New York and some of the big cities where you can go and use a Peloton and, and have a private room or use some of these devices. Um, and have a connected, you know, and then you also have all of the, the badges and awards. So I think that we're seeing on the fitness side, some interesting trends um, on retail. Uh, you know, I think malls are really trying to figure out what to do and, and how to, and so we're going to see some interesting um, innovation and in how people use space and pop-up spaces and, you know, event spaces. How do you find all of those spaces? So I think that we're going to see a lot come out of this um, when there's uh, opportunity and, and trouble for some, I think it creates new opportunities for others. One of the big areas we've seen get a lot of press and um, sort of momentum during the pandemic is around ghost kitchens. So that's a space we were following pre-pandemic, but creating options for restaurants to expand uh, their delivery zones and really optimize for takeout and delivery. And so we're seeing more of that and, and more of those uh, ghost kitchens 
you know, whether they're creating brand, brands, uh, new brands, um, and those are from, you know, anyone and everyone. So some of some larger brands, you know, create creating smaller brands as well as, you know, just, you know, Sweetgreen, for example, they have huge takeout and delivery uh, lineups. And so rather than uh, operating those out of a retail space, they can find a kitchen where they can do that and, and just optimize just for delivery. And so we're, we're seeing um, a lot there. And then you're starting to see more, you know, other all options where, you know, in addition to uh, your food, you can get everything from gum to smokes to tampons. Like, what does it look like? <laughs> when everything can be delivered and you, you don't have to go yeah. to schools and, and sort of that supply chain and logistics being disrupted. Yeah, it goes all, all the way back to your kind of relay, relay thesis around like mobility, real estate, fintech, right? Like, that's like the holy grail of all of them is you're seeing a lot of these companies that are trying to reimagine kind of like the corner bodega and being able to have anything delivered to your doorstep on a scooter, like within 10 minutes, that's just going to cause more real estate to be taken up. And that's going to cause more innovation in the mobility space, whether it's like e-bikes and stuff like that, where like the whole thought process of like, I want something and I want it now, it kind of reverberates down to the real estate market. Yeah, I mean the the food and alcohol and snack delivery um, has taken off, but you know I think companies like Avo Now and others are um, trying to design that. How does it actually work when you partner with um, with real estate? Because uh, a lot of the people who work at the reception or concierge or you know just security in buildings all of a sudden have to become package handlers. And so now it's like yeah. a warehouse managing packages and that's just, it's not sustainable, it's not their job. Um, and, and real estate just wasn't designed. Um, whatever package room gets built, uh, as soon as it's built, it's already getting exceeded in terms types of the packages and you know yeah. lockers and uh, now sort of fridges. Um, so I think that figuring out how do you do that and in a way that's efficient to take advantage of the scale that's within a building um, or in an office. I think there's some really interesting things that can make it more sustainable, more uh, cheaper and uh, keeping the convenience without the sort of the cost and waste that's associated with it. Yeah. It's interesting because you look at like a multi-tenant like office tower or whatever, and you have like thousands of people in there just like on demand, like ordering like small little things or lunch or whatever. And then there's security and then there's like getting up the elevator and it's, yeah, I could imagine not only does the building need to be able to kind of start handling those incoming packages and deliveries, but also like every space as well. So if I'm operating a space, I'm the office manager, like how am I enabling my employees to have that experience where they can have the on-demand um, ordering stuff whenever they want it um, without it becoming just like a absolute like massive, just like delivery people coming in and out of your space constantly, not only from like a security standpoint, but also just like a logistical standpoint. But to your point, um, I think that what a lot of people, there's, there's a lot of things that are wrong with some of the, with, uh, or that you can poke at with the gig economy models and what doesn't work. Um, but ultimately when there's a better experience for people and it's more convenient and better in every way, I think we'll have to figure out ways that we can do it where, you know, people, the, the te and technology will be able to enable it. And so how do we create these types of solutions that work for all of the stakeholders and, you know, work with regulations and, you know, you can have people who have a fair pay, um, but are able to offer these services and, and how does that, so I, so I think that personally, like the buildings play a big role in that. And so how, and how we think about space and micro fulfillment 
Um, I think all of these things are gonna have to come together to be able to enable more convenient access uh, to the things that people need. So I think we'll, we'll see a lot more of that and we'll see business models uh, continue to evolve. Yeah. So summing this whole conversation up, like basically it just comes down to that person that's sitting in their work chair or their home chair, right? Like it's no longer corporate first and like this is how we drive our strategy in terms of real estate or or people. It's it's about like accommodating like the flexibility that has now grown up this pandemic, which is opening up like like you've mentioned, just a ton of different business models for people to come in and innovate. Thanks so much for joining the show, Courtney. This has been a great conversation. I'm sure we could go on for another hour if, if we had the time. But uh, Elite Partners, you guys invest in seed Series A companies. Um, to any of my entrepreneur friends out there, you guys are great partners. So be on the lookout for these guys. Awesome. Thanks so much. Well, if anyone wants to reach me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or uh, email me directly. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and, and the Occupier team. And I'll love talking to uh, any founders that are focused on the space. Awesome. Thanks so much, Courtney. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Mm -hmm.